Begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris Ben, and we're joined by special guest Becca from Tarkin's Top Shelf Podcast. This is episode number 99, Clone Force, episode 99 of Outer Rim Transmission. A big, big show tonight with bringing the reinforcements here because we're talking not only about Mandalore, not only about Bad Batch, but there's some celebration news. There's a lot of publishing news. So I brought on one of the experts in the publishing realm of Star Wars here for us tonight. Um, so we're going to just dive in because there's just so much uh to get through but first off introductions are in order so becca we had met a while ago during the height of the pandemic um there was this thing called the force cast wait was it the force cast what was it called or force something a podcast wasn't it force connect or something with um Force with uh, uh, Skywalking Through Neverland, they they really kind of, I guess, ran that event, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe you guys were talking about, I don't know, the High Republic stuff. Oh, yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It was me, yeah. Dominic Jones. Uh, we had uh, Matthew on there as well from the Geeks Attic and... I think it was Steven Schinder as well. So that was that was a fun time. I know you jumped in the chat. I was like, oh my gosh, there's somebody watching us. This is crazy. And that was before I had this podcast and everything else, or at least, um, yeah, I think it was maybe before I had the podcast. It was a while ago, but it was pretty cool, tight-knit little community here. And that's when I was first introduced to you. Um, so go ahead and tell the people out there that are listening or watching what it is you do in the Star Wars community. I know you have probably actually, I looked more than one podcast that you're at least part of collaborating with so tell everybody what what's up with you well i do talking i sound like rose there um <laughs> no uh seriously no i've been probably in the community for quite some time i want to say probably since 2007 i go back to the hyperspace blogging days when you could actually go on starwars.com and buy a subscription to have your own blog it was great because every so often you got picked to be you know the blog of the day it was like you felt like you were actually like a celebrity it was really really cool but anyway so really aging myself um so we i go back to that um actually i used to do fanfic back in the day which is how i got discovered which is weird to say i got discovered by lucasfilm artist steve anderson because <laughs> he liked what i was writing so i've been titling his limited edition star wars pieces um since 2007 so that all kind of plunged me into just regular blogging. I started doing that with Coffee with Kenobi back when Dan Zier first came on the scene with that because we were friends from the hyperspace days. And then that took off with me working with the Cantina cast closely back when it was with Mike Rondo and Joe Stinson, which it's no longer with them anymore. It's kind of moved on and moved past that. Um, and then from there, I formulated doing book reviews for them. But we realized blogging was kind of fading and audio was the newest thing. So we started doing audio reviews and Tarkin's Top Shelf was born, um, which has been very long road. That came out 2015 when The Force Awakens came out. And then from there, Kanata's Castle was born with Red Five Mom and myself, which is kind of on hi hiatus for a little bit. She's going through some things. But that formed... Um, put off a little band podcast network with idiots array because again i actually came up with their podcast and helped them <laughs> formulate it so i was more of a behind the scenes gal for a very long time but now really my love of books is the big thing because i believe it deserves more of an audience mm -hmm. especially now with 
how much they've created since the Disney merger. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are like, but, you know, great things have come out of that. So, yeah, so I just, I love books. I love talking about books. I love Star Wars. I'm just everywhere, you know. I, I Wherever someone will have me, I usually just say yes. I'm not a no person. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, go, going back to the old days of, I think they probably had, like, the dial-up internet with the live yes. video feed yes. of the Revenge that of the Sith set. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, I remember those days. That was, that was the good stuff back then. Do you remember that, Ben? Oh, yeah. I remember, well, um, like Becca mentioned, I remember, like, the hyperspace blogging stuff back then on StarWars.com. Like, I remember, like, you know, reading posts from people. And, you know, it, it's crazy, like, to see how far StarWars.com has came from then to now, you know. Mm -hmm. And just, uh, just, like, how different a lot of these things are, really. Um mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, heck, back then, I remember like reading like posts on that website as well as others, you know, like just getting, you know, that was like the Star Wars social media before Twitter and YouTube, because those weren't in existence really back then, or they weren't really that prominent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. So everybody, a little bit of housekeeping. As always, you can listen to us on any podcast network of your choice, any app of your choice, Outer Rim Transmission. And you can also watch us live as we go live every Friday at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. You can join the people in the chat, such as Eric and Dark Nerdy Gonzo and Star Wars Timeline. Welcome, everybody, to the chat. Chime in. Join the discussion. We always have a good time here. A lot of positive vibes coming from our little community here now, I'm really happy I had you specifically on this episode, Becca, because there's a lot of book stuff I want to talk about. So I have just the right person here to talk about that with me tonight. And first off, I want to get your your thoughts on Jedi Battle Scars, because as we always do every week here, I break down all the publishing, anything, even games, anything that has come out in the last like seven days since last recording. And the biggest release of this week was, was definitely Jedi Battle Scars. I am currently 100 pages from finishing. In fact, I was a little bit later than I wanted to to try to start the call. And I know we're a little bit late because Discord and different things and technology, but I was literally like at the point in that book where the Inquisitor like makes the appearance. And I'm like, oh, I can't put the book down now. I got to put the book down now. <laughs> so it was like one of those uh, moments. But I believe that you have finished reading the book. Mm -hmm. Am I correct? Yeah, we put our review out uh, later than usual. We, we like to get it out when the book releases. We got it out, I think, yesterday. Um, but it was interesting because I actually did a vague post about my initial thoughts on it and Sam actually responded right away with that she loved hearing that because I don't do video games I just don't um my son loves them um I will buy any video game for him that has Star Wars label on it he knows that no matter what I'm not going to say no again the whole yes thing so you know he was my background uh oh. person when it came to I mean I I've seen the stuff you know online whatever but any questions, I went to him, and I absolutely love the book. Mm. I love the characters. I've got a complete Rebels vibe with the family, so love that, because you just felt like this is Star Wars, and I really sensed a lot of Ezra and Sabine tension between Marin and Cal, and I love it. Um, just going to say it. Um, Marin is my favorite character. Mm. Uh I have a thing for the Night Sisters because I just don't feel that they get enough 
uh, story out there at all. Um, so getting that is great. I love where Seer is with this whole redemption thing. Mm -hmm. She just feels like she needs to bring everyone back to the light. Um, it was great. I actually, for someone who doesn't play the video game, I didn't feel lost. Um, and I'm excited to see where this is going to go because there's a couple little things in the book that they bring up. Hmm. And then we don't hear anything more about it. So I'm assuming it's going to end up in the game. We're going to see it somewhere else. But I don't want to spoil that for anybody who hasn't read the book. So, um, but yeah, all around, I really thought it was really well written. I think Sam did an awesome job because there's no lull. It just, mm -hmm. for me, it was start to finish, fast paced. You know, mm -hmm. as George would say, faster, more intense. Yeah. Um, and that's basically how this is written. So. Yeah, she did a great job. Yeah, her debut story. Well, not debut story. I believe she's written some IDW comic stories or some other mm -hmm. comic one-shots or whatever along the way. Uh, but it's her first full-fledged novel, especially for, for Del Rey or Random House Worlds, I guess they're called now. But yeah, so far, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and it's cool getting that perspective from somebody that hasn't actually played the game because it's like, <laughs> is this just fan service for the, for the game players? Is this actually a great book on its own that somebody could just pick this up off the shelf and be like, Hey, that's a pretty cool cover. Um, I heard about this Cal Kessis guy, uh, but that's great news hearing that from you specifically. Because yeah, I was I'm, I'm I'm totally on board with what I've read so far. I think I'm gonna kind of echo a couple things you said. Um, I love the character detail and the amount of care she has taken with transferring those characters from a different medium entirely and continuing those stories while also harkening back. I think there's a lot of great um, natural. Um, moments of dialogue where they're calling back, you know, the run-in with Fader. They're calling back uh, the things that happened with the Haxian Brood. And it makes sense, and it's done in a way where it's not, like, just so hitting you hard with exposition all the time, because it comes out in these natural conversations. Um, family vibe, you nailed that exactly, is how I feel it. It's so cool seeing these characters on the Stinger Mantis, and they're just having these conversations that are so down to earth. I feel like, like the, just the reactions to things that have happened, how they're dwelling on certain things. There's a really a lot of, a lot of romance in here that I feel like they've mm. done right. And the romance in star Wars novels as of late has been really good. And I, I feel like up until now between this and the, um, the princess and the scoundrel book, I feel like have really struck a, a, a nice, even chord with giving us like the details, not going too far into it, but like, Right. making it hurt in your heart when you when you get to certain points and you're like oh wow this was effective i didn't see this coming um even though i probably should have and that's just uh, a great sign that the writing is there and it's really building upon these characters the action is great i love the one-liners the dialogue these are exactly the characters that i've pl I played through the game four times it's my favorite star wars game period i'm so excited for survivor so I know these characters in and out and I didn't at once time like be like, Oh, that doesn't sound like that character. They all have their own reasons for doing things. I like how they all have their own little inner battles that they're fighting. They all have their own reasons for doing what they're doing. And it's really cool just seeing how this strike team, as they put it, um, works in this time frame of the Star Wars galaxy. Um, without giving too much away, this is a couple years after the events of Fallen Order. And we know that Survivor takes place about five years after that. Um, so we're kind of in this period around Solo, around Obi-Wan. And it's like, at this point, there is no Rebel Alliance officially. So it's like, these people are trying to figure out how they're going to put a debt in the Empire, even though there's not really much hope that they could because there's only four of them. So I like that whole 
idea of like, how are you going to get back at the Empire at this level in the Rebellion when that doesn't really exist until like later than Andor or something. So, so far, um, two thumbs up. If you're waiting for my review, I just say go ahead and pick it up now. <laughs> if you're a fan of the game or if you just want a good Star Wars book to read, um, it's right there written by Sam's Mag, Sam Mags. But yeah, good stuff. Next up, that wasn't the only thing, and, and, and I'm a little bit perturbed when it comes to the situation because I got not one, but two Star Wars books. I don't know if you picked this one up yet, Becca, but this is the battle for the arena. So this is oh, next not on yet. my I did see that, list. though. They've been talking about that, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, so, so that's based on the Star Wars 100 games, and, and I don't even know. I played the game at Celebration last year. The game is nowhere in sight, although you could play it if you live in Sweden or some other ca uh, other countries, I think Poland or something, but it's not in America yet. It's eventually going to come out to Nintendo Switch, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm curious to know about like this dark side-aligned character um, that supposedly is the main character and how she's you know fitting in with that post- Return of the Jedi trilogy, but yeah, I mean, so far, so far the books are are hitting pretty good. Um, really enjoying this one, and then we got Phase Two of the High Republic uh, right around the corner. A month from now, we'll be getting uh, mm -hmm. Cataclysm. We'll be getting yep. uh, what is it, the other one, Quest for Pla Planet X or something like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, yep. I know you've uh, you're staying up to speed with the High Republic so far. So what do you think with Phase Two so far? Phase two is interesting. Um, I think phase one just seemed like it was rolling out super fast. It was hard to catch up. There was just so much coming out. And I think they're a little slower with phase two, which is fine, um, even with their waves in it, which is great. I think having that even cleaner slate, because they're so far, you know, ahead. Well, actually, in the past. But you know what I mean. Um, with the timeline, so they can kind of do almost anything right now, mm -hmm. which is great. And yet there's those little nuggets that just connect and pull it all in. Mm -hmm. I personally love the fact that we have gone back to Jetta because, mm. again, going back, dovetailing back to you guys doing that whole little segment that you guys did with that uh, Force Connect thing. Um, I even said, I go, does this mean we're going to see the statues on Jetta, mm. you know, standing? And we do actually get to see a bit of that um, with uh, George Mann's book, um, with the Battle of Jeddah, which mm -hmm. is wonderful. Uh, so I was really happy with that. So I like to see where the force is here, all the different factions, because we don't get that. And where we've been in Star Wars all these years, we don't get that. We just get the force with the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So to see all these different religious groups... It's just, it's a different world. It's a different way of thinking. And even the Jedi are so different, but mm -hmm. in a good way, mm -hmm. you know? And it makes you wonder, what is it that happens that changes them so much where they're so so strict on their rules and their protocols and how they do things? Because I keep saying to myself, geez, if Anakin was just born so much earlier, he would have had a whole different go as a Jedi, and he probably wouldn't have turned to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, really. So it's just crazy because, you know, they have Jedi there who do, you know, they, they have empaths and they have hugs that just mm -hmm. can make you completely change your mood. And they're more understanding. And even Yoda, which we know, he has had many Padawans, but he allows them to walk away from the, from the order, explore, and then mm -hmm. the doors open if they feel like coming back. 
they yeah, wipe out. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's just it's, a different cool. mindset. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, yeah. Going back to like the main adversaries in phase one, we got Nile, these punk raider dudes just going around a galaxy causing chaos and nut and it just being nuts and, and whatever. Now we got the path that we've been handed, the direct adversaries. Yes. And it's cool, like we're getting like complete cult like faction in Star Wars where it's just okay, these guys are so off the wagon at this point. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's insane because I don't know. Have you been keeping up with any of the comics with with the higher? I love Blade. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, in, that is our that is our favorite right right now. That and of course going out of that realm into um Sanisteros. That, oh that is, yeah. That is the best. Like right now. So yeah, Porter yeah. Porter Engel. Oh man, I can't wait for that final issue because he's going to be standing right. a against like an entire army of mercenaries with like this well-trained female warrior person with this blade that i'm like oh i cannot wait for that but like porter angle charles soul is literally making this standing this guy up to be like this is the most powerful jedi you've ever seen in kin saber combat and he's pulling it off he's deflecting hundreds of blasts at once just so courageous and brave but also having this like kind of cavalier attitude where he's like, yeah, I'm like just chilling with his feet up on the tank, you know, just talking to the other the other faction, just talking it through, you know. So he's got a really cool attitude, and I'm very curious to see how he becomes that. And then what happens to his sister? I like that whole dynamic between Barash and Porter Angle, especially in issue yes. three. They build it up like, oh, yeah, you know, I never really knew my parents or whatever. So, like, be my brother, like, I, whatever, or sibling whatever right. it was very interesting uh, way that they did that relationship yeah it makes you think that they could possibly be one of the first dyads oh. of the way they work the way yeah I, i've been wondering that because you think about it he yeah. needs her at his side in order to do what he does with that saber he's mm. he follows what her instincts are that she passes on to him and then all of a sudden he's just amazing yeah so I, it makes you wonder makes you wonder yeah, and it's cool. Like if they if that was a thing, I love when Star Wars has these sorts of connections throughout the timeline because that adds more context. So then it's like, okay, you can see what's going on here and apply it to Ray and Ben Solo and and how that all would connect. And it's it's nice and tidy there. Uh, yeah. And speaking of Sano Star Wars, I'm going to go into the rest of the things that were released this week. We did have Sano Star Wars issue number two coming out this is a really interesting book um written also by somebody uh from the high republic justina ireland herself Mm -hmm. um already making connections to uh she's already they're already making connections to the high republic in this so it's it's pretty cool there uh we also had bounty hunters issue number 32 which is basically in its own right the origin story for uh none other than um the character uh, of Zuckus, of Zuckus, it's, it's really interesting seeing him in on his planet. This this rite of passage that goes wrong, and that's how he ends up becoming a bounty hunter, going off on his own. Um, as I mentioned, we had the High Republic issue number six come out, but yeah, that's basically everything we had this week for Star Wars. Now we got a big reveal earlier this week from a certain point of view. Return of the Jedi has been revealed it's coming out on september 5th or 6th i believe of this year celebrating the 40th anniversary of return of the jedi yeah so are there any uh specific uh, authors you want to give a shout out um obviously there's 40 different authors on this there's a lot of new blood i will say some returning favorites but we got a lot of new names that i don't really recognize but there's a there's a kind of a 
cool, a couple cool little story blurbs already that I'll go through mm-hmm. um, after our first initial thoughts here. Yeah, uh, shout out for me would be Mike Chen. I mm-hmm. love that he's doing more Anakin-ness. I yeah. absolutely love the book Brotherhood. I mm-hmm. thought he just nailed that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just he he knows that he knows that character very well. So I'm looking forward to him. Um, Kristen Baver, I I gotta give Baver time a shout out. She's <laughs> she's my girl. Shmiro all the way. Um, <laughs> sorry, only she gets what I'm saying. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm just so happy for her to have an actual. You know, story in canon. Not that yeah. I don't feel that Skywalker, a family at war, wasn't. But again, it was more of a, you know, historical uh-huh. act book. So to have her own little nugget now in the Star Wars universe, that's like great. I'm so happy for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Adam Lance is out there. He's got his first uh, story out there with this. And um, who else were we talking about? Oh, um, Phil. Bill Stosek, yeah, oh, yeah, so he's out there too. So I yeah, I mean, there's some really great people yeah, out there yeah. doing great stories. So I'm excited. Yeah, Ben, um, you, you've read one or two of these, right? I mean, we had uh, obviously yeah. A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. What are your thoughts on these? Yeah, I've I read the uh, the New Hope one and then the Empire one. I got that last year for Christmas, actually. Sweet. Um, you know, those those were really good. Uh, and you know, the the certain point of view books, I think they're just such a fun concept i i really believe they need to do that for all nine or well i guess all 11 movies um and uh you know just do it for all of them like slowly release them just because i think it's so much fun you know getting like the the secondary like angles and positions like from in the in the movies you know like we've seen with these books with the little in cuts from like clone war season seven like you know these type of little like in cuts into the live action movies I think it just makes them so much more fun, in my opinion. Like, you know, one of the best ones I think was um, was the whole like vision, um, like that, uh, like the Emperor had with, or it was the Emperor Vader. Like the whole um, the whole thing for Empire Strikes Back, where like you know Vader was imagining Luke going with him and all that. Like, you know, that whole thing I think was great. And then of course like the Qui Gon stuff and in, in the A New Hope one, like you know, just those little odds and ends. And then even some of the cheesiness stuff that you laugh about, like R R five, like, or R or R five yeah. or R four, like sacrificing himself <laughs> to like save R two. And it's just kind of like, okay, but you know, those are just nice little fun stories they add in there. So I'm really looking forward to what they're going to do with return of the Jedi, because I'd be willing to bet already. Um, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. If they give us a little, little blurb story about captain Rex on Endor. Oh, like that. That, like that would be nice. That would be a, nice. That's a perfect certain point of view story, in my opinion. You're right. There's going to be so much because Becca. I mean, we we've read so many of these canon stories. How many times <laughs> do they add another character into the Battle of Endor? There, it's like crazy. You right. got people from after right. you know, like all these people. There's so much you can do there. There really is, you know. And these little nuggets that we get, they really just enhance what we see on screen. So then when you go back and you watch it, you're like, but I know this is happening. You yep, know, and yep. it's really cool. You know, it just adds that much more. That's the one thing I can say about Star Wars is that you can watch these movies over and over and over again. But then you read something like this and mm-hmm. the movie changes. Oh, yeah. It just adds another layer. And what other franchise out there does that? So yeah. that's the cool thing, you know, it just makes it new. And I think Lost Stars did that when Claudia mm. Gray did that whole different perspective, a viewpoint 
of everything going down, you know, and it was nice because you're not seeing it through Luke or Leia or, or Han. You're seeing it through these other characters. And that's what these books do. So I think it's going to be great. Mm, yeah, so just a peek behind the curtain at some stories we'll be able to experience. We have Olivia Blake. Uh, Olivia Blake gives us a thrilling glimpse into the mind of Emperor Palpatine. Saladin Ahmad recounts the tragic history of the Rancor Keeper. I'm, I'm excited about that one. We got Charlie Jane Anders explores the life and times of the Sarlacc. Oh, okay, that's another one. It's going to be kind of like the uh, Dianoga or something from the original Effect uh, Pov. Uh, we have Fran Wilde reveals Mon Mothma's secret mission to save the Rebel Alliance. Okay, so it's like, ooh, is this the Bothans? I don't know. Uh, we have Mary Kenny chronicles the Wicket, the Ewoks quest for one quiet day on the forest moon of Ender. That sounds like a cute one. And the one that you already mentioned, Anakin Skywalker becomes one with the Force in a gripping tale by Mike Chen. So I expect that one to hit me in the feels, especially. You know, just to throw out there real quick, you, you bringing up Anakin, that that uh, reminds me, I saw a tweet earlier this week that's interesting. So based on Hayden's current age right now, like, of mm -hmm. course, they can't go back and edit Return of the Jedi, but Hayden's current age right now basically matches up perfectly where Anakin was when he died in Return of the Jedi. Like, so if they would reshoot mm. Hayden right now, he would actually be the actual age. What? Which is yeah. sad. Like, if you yeah. think about it, because Hayden is, he's only 41. Yeah. 40, 40, 41, right? Yeah. I think he's 41. Yeah, because he was born in 1981. So, yeah, he's 41. Wow. Going on 42. Yeah. yeah. So. Damn. He looks good. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's that country living. He lives on a farm. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's an introvert all the way. He doesn't oh, like my the limelight of, of like. But it's California so funny. It's so funny, though, because he'll go to like every convention imaginable now. Like he's even coming to and, Philly and he was like, yeah. he's going to Colorado. Somebody posted he's going to be in celebration. He was in New York Comic Con like last year. Like the guy goes to every major convention, which is awesome because he's finally fans, getting like his day in the sun, you know? Well, yeah, now where, where was that back then? You know, and that's, <laughs> nope. that, that's the sad thing. Um, I always thought he did a phenomenal job, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, he's one of. Again, he's very, to me, you put him on the scale, the way Adam Driver acts, it's all emotions, all in the face. Hayden is very similar with that. I think, honestly, they would get along very well, because um, I think they have very similar attributes when it comes to acting. Um, mm. And I think that's why when they cast Adam Driver, it made sense. Because, again, if you look at the way the character just reacts and the facial ex expressions, mm. it's very similar to Anakin. You know, in a, in a lot of ways, um, you don't get the outbursts out of Anakin. He just takes out the saber and deals with it right on the front lines. <laughs> you know, it, it's true. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, when you don't want to defrost the freezer back in the day and, you know, you're picking away. It was such th it was therapy. So, you know, <laughs> Anakin out there on the front lines was therapy. He was going through a lot of things. Guy. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> That wasn't all as far as announcements are concerned. We have Dawn of Rebellion announced on the Star Wars show, the visual guide. I love this because it's been so long since we got one of these. It must have been since 2019 with the Rise of Skywalker. Yes. So coming back to it, we got Pablo Hidalgo and Emily Scucani, both from the story group. 
Now, this is going to be set during that era in between from Obi-Wan to Andor, like all in that last, I guess, like 10 years of that time up until A New Hope. So that's great. I'm, I'm very excited because I've been missing those things. I, I miss the times of like Russia. I would go see the movie. And then the next day, I'd be at Barnes and Noble picking up the the visual guide, like just pouring over the book, like, oh, what's date? What date is this? And and what character is this? And what is this? And we've been missing that because, like, for instance, like watching the Mandalorian, as we'll get into, it's like, right. oh, what's that cool creature? Oh, we don't have a name for it. Like that's that kind of was part of the experience for me, and I'm, I'm I can't wait for the for me to be able to experience that once again. You know. Right. And those are great research books. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. there's a, you know, not everybody, like you said, sometimes, you know, you get a glimpse of a creature and you're like, well, what was that? You know, and you don't even, you know, you don't see it again. So these books are really nice to pinpoint that, you know, again, that's where I lean on my son because, you know, I'm more character driven. I, you know, I'm more into what the characters are, are going through where my son's all about all the stuff you knows all the ships he knows them all mm-hmm. he knows all you know what all the symbols on the clone troopers outfits mean all the colors <laughs> he knows all that stuff it's like well what's this like so i i go to him for things he goes to me for things everyone is a different kind of fan which is great because that's how we learn you know um but yeah no these books are great research tools especially if you're going to do what we do like podcasts or if you're going to write write blogs you know you've got these right at your fingertips. Yes. And Wikipedia is really good too for that, but Mm. I do like my books. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. And where I'm sure we'll find a lot more books announced is at star Wars celebration. So we got the mother load. We got the, we got the announcement. Everybody's waiting for at least a lot of people are waiting for, and that's the official full panel schedule for celebration. That's going to take place from April 7th to April 10th. there at the Excel center in London. Um, so I'm going to just go breeze through, you know, the, the major panels cause we don't have any of the fan panels and I'll get to that in a minute. We don't have uh, most of the, the fan panel access right now, but uh, we have the, the big panels that are going to happen on uh, if you've been to Celebration, you always have the Celebration stage, the biggest one. You got the Galaxy stage, which is the second largest one, and then the Twin Sun stage. So that's a, the smaller of the three. But we have some pretty big panels happening here. Um, the first one, as we could expect if you went to Celebration last year, we're having another Lucasfilm Studio uh, showcase on the first day of Celebration, the first panel of the day of the convention opening up. Uh, this is Star Wars Celebration Returns, launching with a must-see showcase that will kick the weekend's festivity into hyperdrive. Lucasfilm's current crop of live-action filmmakers will be joined by special guests to discuss the many current and upcoming Star Wars adventures, including The Mandalorian, Andor, and more. So this is definitely going to be the panel you will not want to miss, because if it's not a panel in its own specific panel, as we'll go through, then you could bet it's probably going to be in here. We're not going to get an Acolyte panel, but you better bet money on that it's going to be during this thing. If they announce a new movie, there's been a lot of rumblings. It's going to be announced here. If John Williams just happens to show up and, and play a whole symphony, it's going to be here. And so that's going to be the one that we're really going to be fine to get into. Um, did you get a chance, Becca, to go to the one last year, the, the studio showcase? Um, I don't think I got in for that one. If that was a lottery drawn one, yeah. I did probably get into that one. I did get in to see um, Tales of the Jedi, which was actually gifted to me. Me too. Uh, long story about that. <laughs> and then <laughs> it was, it was gifted. Yep. And then I got to see the panel with John Favreau and Dave Filoni, which was just 
phenomenal. <gasps> I love those two with each other. They're just, seriously, it's like a bunch of kids talking about their favorite things and their favorite show. And it's just, <laughs> you know, you forget that they're grown adults and they're actually doing this for like a living. Um, so it's very comical to see them on stage and just talking. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, they got some great panels for you guys that are going, I'm severely jealous. Um, they got the Ahsoka panel on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously, I'm so going to miss this. It's really stinks. Maybe, maybe you'll miss it, but... <laughs> we did get an official announcement that they are doing a live stream. They're doing a live stream presented by Jedi Survivor. Oddly enough, there's no gaming panel, so I'm salty about that. But at yeah. least the people at home will be able to hopefully in better quality watch Celebration. Because I was even angry that I was at Celebration and I couldn't even like watch right. what was happening. I was like, well, I went right to the room. I was like ready to watch the live stage like I did in 2019. And it was just yeah. waiting there. I guess there. they're not streaming it. Okay. Well, here's here's our here's my funny quick story about that. Chris, I'm sure you remember the last when you were at the last celebration, I was messaging him news and I was beating him to the news before he was and he was there. Like he was like, yeah. Wait, what? They announced this, they announced that. I'm like, Yeah. Like Oh my gosh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I was just standing around like I guess I'm gonna just wait here and wait let the people talk on Twitter about this or something. Yeah. I was, wow. I was updating Chris quicker than he was he was in the real time. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so you, you yeah. Are, yeah. That's that's nuts. But it does, like you said, I am surprised there's no gaming. Like really, especially with Jedi Survivor coming out in April, right? Because yeah. it got delayed. It's it's so. it's very interesting because I, I I've been keeping track as I do because like Star Wars gaming is like one of the biggest interests I have in the fandom, and just literally a, a day or two ago they had the High Republic show and they mentioned Star Wars Eclipse. Yeah, I know there's a lot of feelings yeah. about that game, mm -hmm. but they mentioned that was probably going to be at celebration. Then the Ubisoft game, those people tweeted out at the beginning of the year like, oh, we have. We have something to show this year or something like get excited. I'm like, well, celebrations around the corner. Maybe let's show. So it seems like the stars are aligning where a lot of these studios are ready to maybe show at least a little something or at least talk about it. I mean, maybe they'll sneak in a panel there, but I, I go back to Star Wars Celebration Anaheim and I just got out of the Attack of the Clones anniversary panel, which was nice. awesome. And nice. I'm standing around and I get a notification on the phone. Oh, yeah, there's a new Star Wars Jedi Survivor. What? Like, I think that's when they announced the game. I was like, <laughs> I'm at Celebration. I'm getting a notification on my phone about a YouTube video. Like, that's really strange. But OK, so like they might pull something like that again, I'm guessing, where they're just going to just randomly show a YouTube trailer at some point during Celebration. But it is what it is. I, ex I fully expect them to have at least maybe booths on the floor like they did with Star Wars Hunters sure. to play Jedi Survivor, which will be fun because it'll be out like uh, at the end of that month when we get to it because it did get delayed. But yeah, so so cool stuff there. I'm um, just glancing, glossing over everything because we have two reviews to still talk about. Like this is a huge week for, for Star Wars uh, as far as news and stuff. Um, we have a panel. Uh, we'll go through the ones on Friday, the big ones here. Uh, London Calling, designing Star Wars productions in the UK. Oh, and this is another one I'm really looking forward to. The Making of Andor Season 1. We're going to have Tony Gilroy and Diego Luna. We know there's going to be Season 2, so I'm sure they'll probably at least mention maybe a new character or two that might show up. But I'm happy uh, looking at the Celebration lineup, and we'll get into more things, how they're paying homage to some of the series that came out last year. 
um, that might have not got the, the time in the sun completely to shine on their own. So it's nice that we're going to get Andor uh, panel. We're also going to get this Obi-Wan panel later on. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Saturday, we have an Ahsoka panel, as Becca mentioned it. We also have Bringing Worlds to Life, the concept artist of ILM. This this sounds really interesting. I, I, people always love um, the Doug Chang panels because he has so much knowledge that he spews about everything from going to the prequels and then Mandalorian. So I will try to get in this one if I can. Uh, this is one we're going to pay much attention to, and that is Star Wars The High Republic, 1 o'clock on the Galaxy stage. Uh I'm I'm looking at this and it says live on the galaxy. So that, does that mean they're live streaming it? I don't know. I'm gonna look back at the terminology here. Nope, doesn't look like that way. Uh, I digress. But yeah, I know the higher public panel, Becca. They're gonna be talking about phase three. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm upset. That I'm very salty. I'm not going. Well. Um, <laughs> so hopefully they'll be able to do like a playback eventually, so we can you know see what was going on because Christina did mention it on. Uh, her episode Wednesday because she had a higher public mm. show episode. So yeah, she's excited. Um, they're all excited. And yeah, um, she already started a hashtag, but I can't remember yeah. verbatim what it was, but it had to do with Burry being okay. Cause he's okay. <laughs> he yeah. is going to be okay. I, so, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm just curious. Like, is this taking place right after phase one? Time wise, are there is there going to be a five year gap? Like, I'm very curious to be like, where exactly this picks up, you know? I'm assuming phase three is going to lead us into Acolyte. Oh, because they're going back, they're, they're doing the whole um Star Wars thing where you know George started off in the middle, then he went to the beginning, and now with Disney, they went to the end, so it's the same setup. So, phase one was the middle. Phase two mm -hmm. is the very beginning. Phase three is going to go towards the ending. So this should all lead us into what we're going to see on screen. So, Ooh. yeah, I'm, you know, I'm one of them and I hate to do this. I'm really rooting for a Plagueis cameo somewhere in here in Acolyte. <laughs> so, oh, oh, I, yeah. I think that's going to happen. I hope. I really hope, I hope so. Seriously. Oh man! We need some of that. If not, if, if I'll, I'll throw this little thing in there. If if we don't get Plagueis in the Acolyte, I don't know where we'll where we'll ever get him in live action. I really don't. I like it's like, come on yeah. guys, got to got to put do. him in something for us. Unless they get um, Matt Smith to do a prequel Palpatine story, now oh, that would be fun. I would be fine with that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. We need it. Do it, do it now. All right. We also have on that. I'm, I'm looking at Saturday. So Saturday is a big, big day, as it usually is a celebration. We have 40 years of Return of the Jedi. That's going to be awesome. And it's, I just realized it's going to be moderated by Migna Wen. So she's a character in her own right. So I would just wow. love to watch and talk to these people. Um, so that would be fun because we know there's a lot of these, you know, background characters and stuff. And, and I'm sure they'll have. The big, the big people there too. Maybe they'll have Mark Hamill flown out there. I mean, there's been no word from Mark Hamill. I mean, I know before the last celebration, he came out. He was like, "I'm not going to be at celebration." He hasn't said that right. yet, so there might be a surprise by Mark. Who knows? Um, we also have Star Wars Creator Cosplay Workshop, Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures. So I'll stop on this one real quick. Uh, do you have any interest in watching this, Becca? Now, this is with the animation one that ties into the High Republic. Mm-hmm. Yes, 
Yes, I do. Because yep. if it ties into something I'm already all invested in, mm-hmm. then I'm going to check it out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm curious where this is going to tie in. That, that'll that be fun if it ties into something. Um, we know Yoda, obviously, is the connective tissue as he is with all of Star Wars. But uh, maybe yep. maybe we'll get a reference to, like, if this takes place after the current stories in, in Phase 1 and 2 and 3. Oh, yeah, something about Avar Chris and, and Elzar Man and all these guys like, like that'd be i would like just sit up in my seat if they actually started you know name dropping these characters that we've been reading right. about uh we also have uh, of course it wouldn't be star wars celebration without a hasbro star wars panel and indiana jones panel so yeah i'm sure we'll get some indiana jones content out of this we're also gonna have a creature cantina uh neil scanlon that that seems like a, it's gonna be a really fun one uh to check out um we also have a clone wars 15 year anniversary panel. Oh my gosh. 15 yeah. 15 years. 15 years. Join Dave Filoni, Athena uh, Portillo, Matthew Wood, Dee Bradley Baker, Ashley Eckstein, Matt Lanner, and James Arnold Taylor for a look back at the beginning of Lucasfilm Animation and how Star Wars The Clone Wars came to be. So you know one's going to be really popular. And we're only halfway through, so I'm going to try to get through this as quick as possible. Uh, Sunday, April 9th, Villains of the Secret Trilogy. We have uh, Gwendolyn Christie as Phasma. We have Andy Serkis as Supreme Leader Stoke and Ian McDermott as Emperor Palpatine. That, that's going to be a really fun chat. I love these panels where it's just actors talking and not even promoting anything in specific, just having a good time, having some really funny antics on stage. I think these three will have really good chemistry on that stage. It should be very entertaining for that first panel on Sunday. Uh, we also have Behind the Magic, the visual effects of Andor. Andor is, I love Andor so much. Um, so this one's going to be right up my alley. Uh, another one, Hyperspace Stories, Dark Horse Comics Return, all ages. So they're going to be talking about Hyperspace Stories, The High Republic Adventures, which The High Republic Adventures, whether it be Phase 1 or currently Phase 2, they're always they're always hitting that out of the park. Um, Daniel Jose Older does a great job with, even though he's working in that all ages realm of things, he's going to still make it for any age to read and, and get stuff out of it. Um, did you read any of those stories, Becca? Um... Probably, <laughs> but it's been a while. You know, there, there's a lot of content. Um, it's It's been a while. Um, again, trying to remember certain timelines now, they all kind of get messed Oh, with, together, uh, so. with uh, uh, Zan Morales and uh, Lula Talasolo and all those guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Now, th- that's from the comics from Phase 1. Yeah, IDW. Yes, yes, yeah, it's it's there. Um, I think I remember most of the the younger crew, if you want to call it that, by him mm-hmm. in um, Midnight Horizon. So that was probably one of my favorite books by him. So mm-hmm. that's where you get a lot of that background story with um, Ram and um, yeah. Oh gosh, and I can't think of his name, and I love him, Wreath. Oh, yes. Those two together are phenomenal. Oh, man. When they're in those costumes. <laughs> when they're in those, like, death cultist costumes and they're walking around Corellia. <laughs> telling you, watching the kids, you know, these teenagers in any realm of Star Wars, that is where the fun is at. You know, because they're still not completely molded into the person that they're going to be. So they're still discovering who they are and who and what they can do. So this is the best is when you get these 
young teens, you know, doing their first real missions and stuff. It's it's good stuff. We need more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the young adult stuff does so well. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a big one. Sunday. Ben, I want to get your thoughts on this one. Point blank. Uh, at look, uh, look back at Obi-Wan Kenobi. 1.30 to 2.30, live at the Celebration stage. Take a look back at the hit limited series with Obi-Wan Kenobi cast members Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Indira Varma, and Vivian Lyre Bra- uh, Blair, and executive producer, director Deborah Chow. You think yeah, they're going to announce season two here or what? I, I, I feel like they probably are. Yeah. I, I might be looking yeah, too it, much into this, but... It, I think it's inevitable just because, like, say what we want. You know, all of us here... I mean, we're sitting on a Star Wars podcast on a Friday night. We're we're in, like, the hardcore fans, you know? Like, you know, we, we may have had, like... Certain people may have had, like, critiques or really liked certain parts or, you know, thought the series was this or that. Like, I had my own... Um, issues with the series as a whole um, just because of like the overall production but the thing is at the end of the day like a lot of the really like general general audience people liked it like obi-wan's viewership was so high like you know by the time they got to the finale the finale was the most viewed like star wars thing on disney Mm -hmm. plus like shows. so like it's just um you know i think it's inevitable really i think they'll do at least two seasons of it and you know, that of course that that probably wouldn't come out until twenty twenty five. Oh yeah, least, it's gonna be at a while. Least, at least twenty five. Um, so yeah, for me, that's like that's one of my most anticipated panels. I would say for sure. And then I, I think for me personally, though, like like I'm I'm super hyped for the Kenobi panel. But like for me personally, the big the big 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 one is the Ahsoka panel. Like I think that's like target number one like i'm excited for it because i feel like we could get a trailer because you know the show comes out this fall like i mean mm. rosario anyways and like well my bold prediction for that is like guys just imagine like what if they put the show coming out like on the 15th anniversary date of clone wars in august um <laughs> you know oh. like, they might, i mean they might it's it's dave filoni so you never know so it's just I, i'm i'm super excited for the ahsoka panel just because i think I feel like we're gonna get like the a big like boom trailer, kind of like how Ian McDermott coming back as Palpatine. I think we're gonna get something like that for the Ahsoka trailer. I really feel like we're gonna get some type of big moment or something. Yeah, it's interesting because Mandalorian's still gonna be like not completed yet. So like when it comes to a new trailer out of something that's in the same oh, sphere, it's like how much could they show in a trailer or talk in a panel if that previous chapter is not concluded yet. So I, it's going to be a very interesting panel um, to see if we're going to get much new out of. I'm sure we will, but just to what degree, uh, who knows? Um, we also have a Funko panel. There's a cosplay competition. Uh, there's this Galaxy's Edge VR, uh, Disney Parks. There is Star Wars Animation Game Night. That actually sounds like fun. Um, and a Lucasfilm publishing panel, of course. Mm. Um, Monday is a big one. Star Wars The Bad Batch. So, yeah, I'm guessing this is getting a season three, I, I, I guess. Um, we're yeah. we're kind of like, is it? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so we'll see <laughs> what, what happens here. Yeah, I think I think I think season three is a lock. At yeah, this point. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. At least at least three seasons of a show, I think, yeah. especially animated form. They probably 
they probably already have season three about done, like recording wise. I, would I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, hey, Bad Batch is out at the end of this year. Like, I, I, yeah. I seriously can think that they could put season three out at the end of the year because they've pushed back season two for so long that they're probably sitting on season three at this point. Just like, all mm-hmm. right. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably get an extensive trailer for that for you know like I a three so. and a half like a full-blown trailer because if you look at the schedule the last episode of the bad batch season two ends literally the week before celebration so it's almost like they strategically put the bad batch out to end exactly before celebration mm-hmm. knowing that the fans will have seen it by then and because obviously these are hardcore fans they're gonna watch it the day it comes out and then they could just oh here's season three trailer there you go because that's what they did at, at, at the last celebration they gave us mm-hmm. a little scene and and the trailer which was interesting because the trailer showed us like more than the one they released eventually online so that was that was interesting there um, all right, we also have a Marvel panel on Monday. Uh, screen to tabletop. I'm gonna love this one. This is Atomic Mass Games, Star Wars Legion tabletop game I play. They're gonna talk about the Shatterpoint game. Um, there's also the Star Wars Visions Volume 2 panel. Awesome. A Jazzwares uh, micro world thing, which I love those little micro machine things. Uh, Doug Chang designing Obi Wan and Mandalorian. And celebration closing ceremony we already know the big news out of this that the next celebration isn't going to happen until 2025 now we're just waiting to see exactly where it happens next time around pretty sure it's going to be in america somewhere um because it seems like they always take turns going overseas and back at home so there you go that's the full rundown of the panels um real quick real quick special announcement well i've already talked about this um my panel i finally have the time for and I finally have the whole lineup of people locked in for that panel. So it is the Bounty Hunters, Smugglers, and Gangsters, the scum and villainy through the years. So this panel that I'll be moderating will be taking place on the fan stage on Saturday, April 8th at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. And the people that will be on this panel are Adam Christopher, author of Shadow of the Sith. I'll have Ethan Sachs writer of Bounty Hunters. I'll have uh, Dominic Jones and Kieran Duggan from the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network, as well as Matt from Fanthatrax. So yeah, six of us. Um, it's really unfortunate, really unfortunate that it's happening literally smack dab in the middle of that Clone Wars panel. So I kind of hit a, got hit with a bullet right there and it's like, oh no. Um, but not everybody can fit in that stage. So there will be some people that don't get in that panel. Come on over. You'll have a great time at our panel here on Saturday at six o'clock. So. Hey, there you go. Very, very cool. Very, very cool indeed. So we're going to get into some some rapid fire reviews here uh, because, Becca, I know I don't want to keep you up uh, here too late. I know this is like, oh, all this stuff talking about... We are gonna get it. We're gonna get right in. Um, so we're gonna be talking tonight about the Bad Batch and Mando. So we'll do like fifteen minutes or so in each one. Um, so with the Bad Batch season two, episode twelve, the Outpost, we have another crosshair centric episode, and wouldn't you know, another amazing episode of Star Wars animation that transcends the Bad Batch and clearly makes it one of the best Star Wars animated episodes I've seen right off the bat. I mean, I'm just going to the first impressions. Uh, we get to see Crosshair being phased out with the clones, what that looks like. How do they phase out the clones? They give them these stupid jobs that they just don't give a crap about with these Imperial overseers that have no experience. And we get to see this journey of Crosshair having a complete character shift and actually 
feeling for his fellow soldiers once again and showing that little bit of a redemption arc. So we get that here. I'm going to throw it over to Becca. What'd you think of this episode? I, I loved it. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, it was great to see it again because I did get early screening. So nice. um, to see it again, this was one of my favorites out of the whole entire season. Not going to mm -hmm. lie. This for me was Crosshair's come to Jesus moment. <laughs> like it finally <laughs> hits him. Oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm doing the wrong thing. I miss my family. Um, and he doesn't see it until the very end, obviously. He gets the hints throughout. Um, Mayday was the perfect pair up for him at this moment. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. I mean, you can't get any worse than Nolan. I mean, you just you just hate him like right off the bat. But yet at the same time, it's one of those you hate to love him characters. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love it because like you said, it's that moment where you get to see exactly how they're phasing them out. They're expendable, as Nolan says, you know. So they're meaningless. I mean, they're basically stuck there. All the men died on that outpost, freezing, protecting used armor okay all this time they they could have been using that it's just like seriously what a smack in the face right um but start to finish really good you know little moments of metaphorical usage of you know this is gonna be you if you keep doing this you know if you keep just siding with the empire keep doing it you know it's it it's a mission a mission's a mission type of outlook um you know and again seeing that Doctor, uh, is it Skelder? Skelder? Dr. Skelder there at the end? Saying this would just be much easier for you if you just, you know, just give in and don't resist. <laughs> um, you know, it's eerie because we were just talking earlier about, you know, we got to see Plagueis, got to see Plagueis and Acolyte. Plagueis is the one who really put that notion in Sidious's head, Palpatine's head, about science and cloning and all that type of thing so again that whole concept of you know you become your master and your master's master and when you strike them down all that knowledge it piles into you mm. this is where all that comes from so and that's just it it's a rude awakening for crosshair at the end to wake up you know all you know strapped down on that table like a gurney you know mm. and he's realizing it's all coming to play here like Oh, crap. I know why I'm here. I know what they want. But, you know, he's going to keep that locked because if he says anything, that's going to lead them right to Omega, which is a huge thing because we still don't know what is so special about her. Hmm. And I'm telling you right now, she's different from her brothers. There's something else going on with her, and Nala Say knows what that is. But yeah, hmm. no, I'm just, I loved it. I love it. I love where they're going. And I'm going to echo you guys, no pun intended. There will be a season <laughs> three because think about it. We're what, four seasons or four episodes away from the ending? And we're just getting this awakening mm -hmm. with Crosshair now? There's not enough time to tell that. You're right. I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it doesn't take much to figure this one out. What about you, no. Ben? What about you? What are your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I thought it was um, I thought it was one of the better ones for sure of the entire season, just because you know we've had a few ups and downs with this year, and luck you know luckily these past couple weeks have been excellent episodes, and mm -hmm. you know, this one um, 
this one's right there with a lot of the other really good ones of the season so far. It's nice getting a crosshair centric one just to see what he's been up to lately to see, you know, his character shift, as you mentioned, Becca, like throughout the episode, like him realizing more and more of like, Hey, this is actually what's going on. Even though, even though, you know, this whole time I've been like robotically doing the good soldiers follow order thing. Like, you know, now, now he's realizing like, how bad the empire is and how they right. really don't care. They don't care. Like, you know, that he's, uh, you know, has however much experience he has, like it doesn't matter to them. So it's, uh, you know, it's really cool getting to see like that perspective with his character for sure. And then, uh, you know, just, just, I was really doubtful when we got to the um, end of the episode, when he was going to shoot at the, uh, the Imperial guy. Cause I was like, is he actually going to do this just because it's like, you know, he's been so loyal and stuff. So that was a nice little thing. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was a, I thought it was just one of the better episodes as a whole. And then of course the ending was really good with him being captured. Yeah. And just to see where that's going to end up leading. So are we presuming he's at Mount Tantus now? Oh yeah, for sure. Because that's the same thing with the badge, lady with the badge. And it's like all the same environments. And that's where this is brilliant because that's the connective tissue to the previous episode where the bad batch already seen like what was happening with the Zillow beast. And they had that Mount Tantus there. And now they're going to figure out that their brother is on Mount Tantus. So if they ever get that information and Omega is still out there at large. Yeah. Great, great connective tissue. We're getting towards the second half of the season that I've been, that I've been waiting for. And, you know, we've got those episodes in between that have been, great character work um a lot of the time sometimes you know a little bit a little bit uh less flavorful than i would like you know like it to be but you know those episodes are there to show that adventure show like hey these are the mercenaries that keep screwing up they keep screwing up this mission that mission this mission and then we finally are going to get that aha moment where they're figuring this out a little bit better um ben i always lately the last two weeks you, you would probably expect me to message you about Mando first and be like, oh my gosh, that Mando episode is amazing. I've been specifically saying, oh my gosh, the Bad Batch episode is amazing <laughs> to get you guys to watch it first. Like, you gotta watch Bad Batch first. It's so good. <laughs> I know. Well, you know how I am. I, I'm the 3 a.m. watcher of oh Mando. Oh my God. So I, so oh I'm my always, God. God yeah, bless you. I, I, well, hey, oh my here, God. Hey, Hey, fun thing to throw out there to our listeners. Anybody who's watching it early, it doesn't actually come... All the Disney shows and premieres, what, no matter what it is, movies, shows, premieres, whatever, they don't premiere at 3 a.m. actually. They premiere at 2.50 a.m., so 10 minutes earlier at least. But, but yeah, no. Um, hey, it's it's always a good time. Me and my buddies always come over and watch it, and it's a blast. <laughs> like, but, that's um, crazy that your friend comes over at 3 a.m. Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, well, yeah, he'll text me and say, hey, if I'm not up by 2.30, call me 100 times and make sure I'm awake. Oh, my God, that's um, dedication. See, I'm sorry. I'm in bed. Yeah. <laughs> not going to lie. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, I think the thing is with these shows, they, um, yeah, like, well, for the longest time, you know, we, with the Bad Batch, with a lot of the episodes earlier on in the year, it's like, you know, why would I why would I even watch this immediately when it comes out? Just because it's like, you know, there were so many like shaky episodes. I got to a point and Milton got to a point on, on here as well, where it was just like, 
we would just watch it on Thursday or Friday right before the podcast because it's like I wasn't motivated to watch it, and now I'm actually motivated. Like I actually watch it. You know, I don't watch it at three because Mando Mando's then, but huh. I watch I watch Bad Batch like in the morning when I'm up eating breakfast at like nine o'clock. Um, you know, I'm sitting there eating breakfast Wednesday morning, and I'll I'll watch Bad Batch then. Um, and you know, I'm always getting like Chris's message of. At six in the morning, going, hey, that was an amazing episode. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. that's me. I wake um, up so early to watch these things. I go to bed at like nine thirty or ten to purposely wake up before work to watch. <laughs> I, I just, do what uh, I got to do, and then I'm like tired the rest of the day. I'm like, oh, why do I do this still? <laughs> Those are good times. Oh man, yeah. So let's let's talk a little about some specific points before we move on to Mando. Um, I just like the idea about uh, the clones being retired, like that opening moment with this Imperial officer, uh, played by Shelby Young, who's just like, yeah, you guys go here, and they're just like, okay, it's just like. It's sad. Like we're seeing that just that transfer of power. Um, you're looking at Commander Mayday and, and and the way that he has this memorial with the helmets. I thought that was yes. relatively striking. Um, just about the the helmets and the respect there. Uh, and, and another thing too is about the the landmine situation. I thought that was awesome. Like just the stepping on a landmine and that's when Crosshair is literally forced to like listen and forced mm. to give his story. He had no other things to do. And it was like, where are you going to go? You got time. It's like, okay. So what would you guys feel about that whole moment when they're exploring with the landmine and all that? Like what yeah. you said, it forced Crosshair to actually listen to somebody else's perspective to kind of get out of his head where he's stuck with this, you know, I'm a good soldier. I'm just going to follow orders. He, you know, I think made a purposely, which we know, purposely took his time doing what he was doing so he could talk to him, feel him out, give him a little more like, hey, this is what's really going on. Because I think Crosshair needs to hear it from people that don't specifically know him, but yet are like him, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and it's weird that he has to hear it from those that he's not closest with. Like, you know, Hunter, you know, Echo, all of them were all trying to tell him tech and he wasn't having it. And it's really interesting, you know, to think that it's come down to this moment, a landmine, for him to really, like, feel that out. Because I, my, and my favorite part of that was when Mayday says, okay, I'm going to stay here. And when I go behind the, yep. go behind the bed and I call for you, then you can lift your foot up. And then we know <laughs> it worked. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. That was great. Oh you know, he's just like gosh. looking at him like, what? You know, but it was great because then you get Crosshair carrying him all the way back to the yeah. outpost. Oh, man. You know? And that, that was, was just heart-wrenching to watch. That was powerful. And he's like, you could have saved him. Like, oh. it's just very... Yeah, I know. Again, the... it was his come-to-Jesus moment. I mean, it really was. And I... it's sad that it took this long. Yeah, yeah. I think they did such a good job with writing this lieutenant character. I was so despicable to the point where... In a matter of just like a dozen minutes or so, like he he he's up there with one of my hated fictional characters, you know, with some of those characters from Game of Thrones, like Joffrey or Ramsey or some of these other despicable characters. I'm just like, this guy needs to get it. And then when he actually goes through and he shoots him, I literally clapped out loud. I was like, that's right. I was like so buzzed. I was like, yeah, get him. <laughs> it was such an urn. 
It was such an earned moment that it felt so right that after all this time with this character, he finally got it. Oh yeah, if they if they that's the thing, if they wouldn't have had him take him out like that, I think it would have just been another like kind of roll your eyes like, okay, so crosshairs you know, Crosshair's character not getting pushed down the path further. Like, it's like, you know, he would have kept creeping along at a snail's, play, snail's pace with his character versus actually getting some momentum for his character. So it was nice that he actually, like, made that decision and did that versus just, like, thinking about it and then backing out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, one last thing on, on uh, Crosshair, then we'll just give our final thoughts on the episode. But... I have a feeling that, and people have been talking about this since the onset of the show, uh, maybe this is the first first Death Trooper. I'm just like, yeah, it seems kind of suspect that they're injecting him with something. It's like, hmm, he's going to be a Death Trooper and he's going to be reprogrammed to go and track down Omega. It's going to happen. It's going to be heartbreaking because you know there's going to be a moment where they're going to stand side against each other and it's something's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know anything, but... I feel like that could be coming. I might be looking too much into it, but it's just that's where the experiments happen. What else is he going to turn into? I don't know. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, we well, they got to get to the Death Trooper program eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, they already did War Mantle. They've done War Mantle with the Macquarie-inspired Stormtrooper armor. So, yeah. Uh, I'll throw it over to you, Ben. Give me uh, your final thoughts to the episode and give us a score out of 10. Yeah, for me, I think it was one of the better episodes um, of the season. As I mentioned, it was probably like my probably first episode, I would say, is Cody. And then the second one is the two-parter, the mm-hmm. the, uh, the one with Palpatine, that whole thing. And this is probably fourth for me. So from like, as we mentioned throughout this whole thing, I think the episode was really good as a whole. Didn't really have many weaknesses that I can think of mm-hmm. for the most part. Like, I think it was really well-rounded. Um, it got it got the job done. It didn't like linger on any moments too long where it was like, okay, what are we doing here? Like they really um, they did a good job of actually pushing Crosshair's character down the path more, as I just mentioned earlier, um, just because I feel like that that was an issue even in season one where, you know, by the time we got to the end of season one, it was like Crosshair still hasn't like progressed as a character. Is he, you know, is he gonna be continue being a one note villain? So it's nice seeing him actually push down that like character progression path and uh yeah overall i just thought it was a really good episode and i'm really looking forward to seeing how things connect now now that we're getting more into the mount tantus stuff because you know now we have crosshair captured obviously omega um something's going to happen with her eventually in this season um so yeah i think i think a lot of the uh story beats are fine are finally starting to, to connect down the stretch here which is the most important thing, like, just sticking the landing, I think, is the big thing. But overall, I would say this episode was an 8.9 for me. Oh, so close to a 9. So close. Yep, close. What about you, Becca? <laughs> give us your final thoughts, and if you want to give us a score out of 10. Well, I'll start with my score. I'm definitely going to give it a 9. Um, it was one of my favorites. And mm-hmm. I think because it just ties in so much. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of questions being answered. But, of course, it leaves you with more questions, which is how Star Wars works. Yeah. Um, again, I just think this is the start, the beginning of kind of where the other episode that we just had left off. 
it's ramping up. You can sense that the danger is coming. You're mm-hmm. like safe is an illusion. It's not real. None of them are safe. Once they're discovered, because all of them have a DNA that, let's face it, Palpatine would want to work with. So, yeah, they're all in danger. Like I said, I I know you guys are thinking changing them into something. I'm thinking more extraction, taking it out of them. Mm. Um, and until they use it all, I mean, they're, again, expendable in the end. It's what mm. they have in inside that, that matters. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all in all, I think this ties up a lot. And it's just the beginning of where this is going because I'm definitely saying there's a season three. I'm just going with it. All right. Yeah, I will also go with the nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for me as well. Uh, yeah, this it's picked up the intensity. It gave me those wow clapping moments out loud. It changed the character's trajectory in ways that were both interesting and exciting. It had really good music, as it always does. I like it when an episode like this comes along, gives us the plot where it's like, okay, you got these rebel guys harassing us, uh, taking out our men one by one. But they are such like a backstory. Like there, there's really none of that in this. They they t- quickly take out the camp. But the story was more of the journey about how he got there, the conversations, the dialogue that naturally happened over the course of the episode, and uh, even the parts that don't have dialogue, like him just carrying his brother in arms across the bat. Like that was so striking. Uh, yeah, gotta gotta give it a nine out of ten. So great episode, bad batch. Uh, I, I, yeah, there you go, Ben. I don't think you'll be. Uh, Waiting to watch this three days later anymore. I think you're. No, not, I think not it's, anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm actually watching a, it on Wednesdays. <laughs> on a, on the day it releases now, especially yep. uh, things are heating up, as Becca has said. So getting into it for our final little segment here of the night, we have the Mandalorian. Yes, two episodes on the same day. Uh, I would say I can get used to this, but it's also really challenging when you have to review two things at the same night. But we do it here anyway on Outer Rim Transmission. So we have the Mandalorian. Season 3, Episode 2, Chapter 18, titled The Minds of Mandalore. We waste no time getting to the crux of the season, or at least what we think was the crux of the season. Maybe it isn't. Um, We go to Mandalore, and we find out that there is a uh, creature down there that may or may not be a mythosaur, and it's really a Grogu story in this one. We see Grogu shining being the savior of Mando, getting the call to help to Bo-Katan, who goes and saves Mando twice in 15 minutes. Um, so really powerful, really cool, kind of a horror-esque episode, if you will. I'm going to throw it again once to Becca. What was your initial impressions on this episode? Loved it. Um, I think all the way through, it was really good. Mm-hmm. I love hearing Grogu say Peli. He said it. He said it. He said his first word. I don't care what anyone says. He said Peli. <laughs> um, <laughs> he said her name. And I'm, I'm not surprised. We get some R5. You got to love that. I mean, come on. You know, the whole droid is just, he's, he's scared. Get all that. Bo-Katan was just phenomenal. See, for me, this was her show. <laughs> for this for this episode she led this and she was great she talks about mandalorian lore she kicks butt i mean she wields a saber right mm. literally like effortlessly she just owns it it's phenomenal to see her go um and then you get her talk about you know not just lore but her family and mm. the whole time i'm saying say her name just say her name and she doesn't she talks about her father <laughs> so i was like Ugh. but I, i'm just assuming it's just too painful 
heard to say it. And then you get Din finally doing what he's been wanting to do. And I'm going to just say it, that was a mythosaur. It had to oh, be. Yeah. It had to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, start to finish, Grogu already starting to become the Mandalorian that Daddy's, you know, teaching him to be, navigating. Doesn't say the words, but points, taps, like, eh, we got to go there. Like, there. You know, knows what he's doing. He's catching on real quick. It was just awesome. And yeah, I loved seeing Mandalore. Because, again, we get very little of that. You know, even in Rebels, very little. And we got mm-hmm. little of it in uh, Season 2 of The Mandalorian. I have to remember. Where, or was it The Book of Boba Fett? See, now that's all the timelines are meshing together. Yeah, Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett. So I'm personally in it for this Mandalorian lore. Okay. I'm not going to lie. You know, everything that we used to know was in the EU. So this is all newer stuff to us. And we know our Jedi stuff for the most part. So this is all kind of new. And it's just like, I don't know, you're like hungry for it. So, yeah, Mm. I'm excited. I mean, Bo-Katan was phenomenal. Katie nailed it. Yeah, that that scene with the Darksaber was something else. I, oh, man, we get to see, like, you wonder. It's like, okay, she's that adept with that sword. How the heck did she lose that to Moff Gideon? Yeah, that's a, I'm very curious about how that story went because she's the last one that had it before it went to him, I'm assuming. So we shall see. Ben, what are your thoughts on the episode? Yeah, I mean, I can echo almost all of Becca's points. Like, I I loved the episode. I thought it was it was phenomenal. Um, <clears throat> as you mentioned, I, I thought Katie really shined in this in this episode. Her her acting has been great. Like her transition from animation to live action has been has been great in and of itself. Because you know sometimes when you get a, animated to a live action character, it, could, it potentially could not work. So like the fact that it works and translates so well with her is is amazing. Um, and then just the overall story of this episode, I thought was really nice. Like just um, you know there was no wasted time in the show. Like for example. When Manda was showing Grogu the the maps, you know, I, when when we were first watching that, I just assumed personally, because you know, in, in the past season, for example, when uh, say the past Bo-Katan episode in season two, you know, John and Dave basically implied they included some of the lines, the way they crafted that episode, in a way, you know, where the Clone Wars fans and the Rebels fans will appreciate it, but then it'll still introduce her to the general audience who hasn't seen those shows. So I was just kind of assuming this whole Mando showing him the star map thing was just kind of like a general audience. Yep. Like, hey, guys, yep. this is where we're in the galaxy, uh-huh. blah, 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 yeah. blah. I thought it was something like that. So the fact they actually tie that into the story of, like, Grogu actually, you know, using that um, learned skill he just mm-hmm. got from Mando mm-hmm. was cool. And then the whole villain of the episode, that was, like... The the um the first yeah. part you know when I was watching this at three in the morning that was definitely a jump scare like for me like at three o'clock in the morning I was yeah, like whoa whatever like, that thing was yeah that <laughs> that thing um and then yeah I just I just thought it was a really really good episode as a whole like I really do the action um uh, the way like you guys mentioned both mentioned the Bo Katan um sequences of her wielding the dark saber I thought was awesome especially seeing the way Mando struggled with it I thought that was really great. And then, of course, the ending, the fact that we we get Din um, taking his bath, basically, in the <laughs> in, in the ancient waters and uh, going down there and then getting taken by the mythosaur. Like, because 
let's be real that that's that has to be the mythosaur like mm-hmm. it, it just yeah. has to be because um if you watch mm-hmm. when uh, we when we were watching it the uh if you notice katie or bo-katan she's surprised about it because like when she's underwater you can you can see like a big blast of air like air bubbles come flying out of her mask so she was probably uh, saying like oh f like you know like freaking out uh, like holy smokes this thing's real like so you know even she was shocked so it's cool that they even added the little effects of like her you know letting out a big yeah, gasp yeah, of air yeah. underwater like that um but i loved it yeah yeah so we can we can i guess reverse engineer our thoughts since we're already talking about the mythosaur. I think it's pretty neat that, you know, after 40 plus years, Becca, of that symbol appearing on Boba Fett's armor, I was like, ooh, what's this cool skull symbol? We get to actually, at least at this point, next episode we'll probably see the whole thing, I'm assuming, but actually see that this thing is a reality. We had many references to a mythosaur going back to episode one with Kuehl saying, oh, your ancestors rode these. Why can't you ride this, mm-hmm. like, little... Uh, blurg thing right or the armor talking about you know the mythosaur all these characters referencing this thing um so i guess it was just a matter of time before before we got it but i was simply surprised that it was aquatic you know i did not see that coming yeah well i mean if memory serves uh in the um in the, in the Christmas, the holiday special. Holiday special, Boba Fett was right. I believe the Mythosaur is in the water. Yep. Oh. In the, in the animation cartoon, so I'm not at all surprised. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's where it first comes from. It comes from that. I know oh. George doesn't like to talk about it and likes to pretend it doesn't exist, but let's face it, the animated part of the holiday special is the best. Yeah, there is some really good stuff happening there. Even though they all look like the Beatles, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is, um, and it's really hard to get through the whole thing. Um, but the animation part is, to me, it's really good. So, yeah, no, to me, that's that's what it's got to be, and I'm not surprised that it's in the. I mean. I thought it was a great way to add more lore because if this is where they're mm. supposed to go, because, you know, as she's telling her story, how she, you know, how the princess of Mandalore, yeah. which is her, you know, walked, you know, went into the waters and, you know, did the whole prayer of the creed thing. And her proud father stood over watching and she didn't embarrass him, you know, in front of anybody. Um, it doesn't surprise me that something they take in as, being so spiritual that this creature would actually reside there. It makes sense. It's a legacy. It's a lore. It, it all kind of blends together. And it makes doing that, you know, being christened, if you want to call it that, it makes it dangerous. So it, me- it makes it that much more meaningful, you know, to be this Mandalorian. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to more of those stories. Mm-hmm. Hoping we get some flashbacks with them as well, because there's some people again. Satine, just want to see some yeah. of those people. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. Oh yeah, we'll see. I think I think the thing is with the whole Mythosaur arc. To me, I don't think we're gonna go back to it in the next episode. Like I feel like they're gonna leave it off. How are they transition into the next episode? To me, I don't know about um, you both, but I feel like this 
so since we have eight episodes, we'll have you know whatever happens these next three. Like mm-hmm. to me, the Mythosaur thing feels like a sixth episode right before the build up to the finale. You know, like it feels Ooh, like it's gonna be kind of that in, be- in between, <laughs> like the book, like um, like the Boba Fett action episode was in Mando season two. Like it felt like that. Like I feel like that is where kind of where the Mythosaur thing might get slotted in because I don't know if it'll be the finale, but then again, it might just because it's like Din's journey and stuff, like becoming a Mandalorian again, and it makes me wonder, like, you know, the more he's around Bo-Katan, like, are we going to get to a point eventually where he, like, drops this whole belief system and just, like, goes with Bo-Katan's, um, house, or, you know, group, basically? Yeah, so, as I said, when I introduced this episode discussion, um, I like how they kind of did a bait and switch with the season. At least it seems that way right off the gate where it's like right out of the gate where it's like, oh, yeah, two episodes in. We're already addressing like the main thematic thing of this episode of this season of Mandalore and, 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 and coming to grips with the, the helmet and all that It's already in the minds of Mandalore. So it's like you got like maybe six or five or six episodes that are going to be not having to deal with that. So that gets me excited because I'm like, ooh, what? else have they been hiding this entire time from us that is really going to be big and blow our minds for maybe the back half of this season there could be like this whole trailer promotion has been basically off the the first two episodes from what it looks like so that's what's always exciting for me it's just like the unknown of like ooh, this is maybe not Mm -hmm. just all about mandalore in this season but yeah no i i I totally um like what you're saying, but I think they, they probably do like a, an episode where they do this a lot, right? Um, they even did this with like the last of us, a couple episodes where they have a big thing happening. Then they do a big flashback to kind of like what your appetite. And then they bring you back to the main story, like a week later or something like that. So I, I, I could see them, see them going that route. But what do we think about Grogu in this episode, Becca? I like it. I think he's growing. I think, um, you know, as Yoda says, uh, we are what they grow beyond, or mm-hmm. unless I'm saying that backwards, um, Grogu growing beyond um, everything. And I, you know, and if it's true what they're saying with the timeline of how long Grogu's been with Luke, he's learned quite a bit. And I think he's going to utilize that knowledge and mix it with what he's learning with Din. And also use it to help Din see something new. Because what we learned in the book of Boba Fett, just following Boba, is that it was a spiritual journey. He is one thing, but he's become something else. And I think that's what this is. I think Din and Bo-Katan are both walking side by side, along with Grogu, a new journey. A spiritual journey to self-discovery. And just like Luke said in The Last Jedi, you know, and going forward, even with The Rise of Skywalker, that that hubris, I mean, it's they need to be something else. It needs to end. And I think there's just too many different factions mm-hmm. of Mandalorians, mm. and they need to find a common ground and start over. And I think Bo and Din are going to help each other figure that out. Yeah. They're going to work together. They're definitely going to become more of a team. Um, and you... Even the trust is there between Bo and with Grogu. I mean, he tr- I mean, even though Din told him to go get her, he trusted her enough to do that, too, as well. Because, um, let's face it, Grogu is strong enough to get him out by himself, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, think of what he did with the Rancor. I mean, he took on a Rancor. Yeah. The kid is strong enough. <laughs> um, and, he- and even Bo said it. You're obviously know enough you have enough knowledge because you led me this far 
Mm-hmm. So she knows it too, and she also tells him, "I know quite a few Jedi." Yeah, it's great you know? seeing him master the Force jump. I like that little detail. Sure. <laughs> it's just like doing the mm-hmm. Force jump, flying so fast. Like, oh, that <laughs> that that was just. I love that well, part. Well, he, he's in a lot more. You know, he has a lot more control over the Force this season. I mean, yep. we saw even in the last episode, you know, where he was spinning the chair and stuff, and like, you know, just the little tidbits of him continuing to basically test himself um kind of test himself with the force basically like all these little things like it kind of reminds me of like man of steel the way um uh superman's dad keeps telling him like hey just keep testing your powers keep testing your powers and it feels like grogu continues to like keep testing and testing um certain little aspects so i feel like we're gonna keep getting more and more of that throughout this year i think i do think though we're gonna get to a point as you mentioned becca with the whole um you know, he could have potentially helped Din out more, I think. Um, and I think we're going to get to a point this season where he flat out just saves Din from something. You know, I could see Din being in danger and, like, Grogu use the Force to, like, do something yeah. or another. Just because mm-hmm. it's, like, it feels like it's building that way. And then, you know, like, even um, even Bo mentions to him, like, oh, uh, your dad's not the only Mandalorian. Like, you know, so they're, like, setting up Din to be, like, this you know, like how he is like a, a great Mandalorian, but I feel like, I feel like having Grogu like save him just like, you know, will amplify Grogu. Like Grogu's probably going to be like the first Mandalorian Jedi, like mm-hmm. by the time all of this is said and done. So, uh, I think that's the whole point of a lot of this show. Like, I think we're going to get to the end, you know, whenever we get to the end of the series, I think the Mandalorian is going to be Grogu. Grogu. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And why not? He can live nine human lifetimes. Yeah. Think yeah, about I mean, it. He, he can live well into all these, if we get upcoming movies, you know, like, you know, we talked yeah. about potentially a movie getting announced at Celebration. Like, Grogu's, like, if that movie is anywhere past episode nine or anywhere, like, Grogu will be alive on paper anyways. Right now, he'll be alive during that time period. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see where they end up, end up going Um you know, continue to progress his character. Like, I think mm-hmm. by the end of the season, as I mentioned, though, I think his force powers will be even more um, prominent. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I love the whole sequence of, of, it's so Star Wars to me, the sequence of Grogu just interacting with a bunch of puppets, basically, because it's, it's so Star Wars. Like, he's interacting with that weird junk, grievous knockoff guy, and he gets in his little pram hover thing. He goes and he's got these like pterodactyl things chased. It was like such a thing out of like the eighties or something like that, a labyrinth or had a dark crystal or something. I was like, this is like all the darkness of the mind. I was like, yeah, this is this is like uh, just this perfect kind of sci-fi fantasy stuff. I love. Um, last thing I want to go on before uh, we run out of time here, just a simple thing. Uh, Bunta Eve. We got another John Favreau and Filoni love throwing in Star Wars holidays. Man, the first episode we got Life Day. We got Bunta Eve, so that was cool for me. I liked I liked getting that more of a calendar of Star Wars holidays here. Yeah, yeah. it's nice to see that they're still celebrating. It's a, it's obviously very profitable for someone like like Pelly, <laughs> and they have fireworks. Like that's great. It's something we haven't seen since like Endor or yeah. Coruscant, and you know all the other places that they showed us at the end of. Um, uh, Jedi, you know, so to see them celebrating and Grogu was in awe over that. Yeah. You know? 
like any typical kid, you know, like, oh, sparklies, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> it was wonderful to see that they're still celebrating that all these years later on tattooing. Mm. So, yeah, I was oh, pretty yeah. happy about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so great episode. I'll start around this time around. Yeah. So I really enjoyed the scope of this episode, really pushing the narrative forward for Din, not wasting any time or right there. He's going into the living waters. As you said, Becca, I loved hearing about the lore. Mandalore the Great, you know, taming the first mythosaur, hence creating the signet that would inspire and showcase the planet of Mandalore. We get the story behind what that signet means. All this great lore with Bo-Katan's father. Then seeing Grogu really have a pivotal role, not just as being cute, but like actually doing something great and actually saving um, his dad, if you will, um, <laughs> Char and all this stuff. So yeah, a lot of great stuff here. I'm giving this one an 8.5 out of 10. Becca, you can go next. <sighs> so early in the season though you know to say mm. uh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go seven and a half only because it's so early in the season it's not that i didn't love it yep it's just it's so early we're only two episodes in so <laughs> oh i totally get it yeah for me i would say um you know out of these two yeah two episodes yeah like you said it's hard to judge since hard. it's we're, we're two episodes in but as of right now, for me, I mean, I love this sh series in general. Like, The Mandalorian, by far, is my favorite thing on Disney+. Plus. Favorite Star Wars thing, currently. Um, so, for me, I really enjoyed it. Like, it did everything I wanted. It had a good story. It had mm -hmm. some good action beats to it. Good acting. Um, it featured a lot of Bo-Katan. She's one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. And favorite actresses. So, it's just cool getting all of that. And then, of course, you know, all the stuff with Grogu. So for me, I would have to give this an 8.7 out of 10. 8.7. All right. So that is going to wrap it up for our discussion. If you are in a chat like Dark Nerdy Gonzo and Eric, go ahead and send us your thoughts. Or even after the fact, you can email us at outerimtransmission at gmail.com or send us a tweet using hashtag outerimtransmission on Twitter. Um, and you could go ahead and subscribe to this channel youtube.com slash star raptor if you want to watch us live and participate with the people in the chat room if you want to download this podcast just search outer room transmission on spotify amazon apple music all those places and if you can't find us let us know and i'll try to fix that um but there we go that was the episode becca thanks so much for joining us this week it was awesome having you on board talking so much about the publishing then talking about different things happening around the other side of uh, the globe here at celebration talking about our hype for that and of course breaking down two star wars episodes it was a jam-packed episode i want to thank you for taking the extra time staying a little bit later than i know we wanted to initially plan for but hey you're a trooper so can you tell the people where they could find all your awesome content with star wars oh absolutely and thanks for having me this has been great mm -hmm. um Best place right now, if you want to check out Tarkin's Top Shelf, we are at Tarkin's Top Shelf on all social media. So follow, subscribe, check it out. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at URAngelB. That's where you can find me. Um, all my podcasts, uh, Kanata's Castle and, of course, The Pitiful Little Band, uh, were everywhere. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, even on Hive, I believe. So not that many people are using it anymore. So definitely... Wherever you catch your pods, we are there. 
and yeah, this has been great. Thanks so much for having me. All right, yeah, it's been it's been fun. Uh, ben, you want to go ahead and and give us information for Milton Weber Seven? I think I got it that right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want to find if you want to find Milton talking about uh, funny sports memes and other funny memes, you can follow him on Twitter at Milton Weber Seven. And then if you want to follow his fitness stuff, because he always posts his workouts and basically his similar things like I do, my workouts, my food, all that sort of stuff, you can follow Milton at Milton, the number seven Weber on Instagram. And then for me, as I just mentioned, you can follow me on Instagram at Real Ben Maynard. I post all my workouts and my uh, my journey to like getting super shredded again, losing a couple pounds a week here and there, and it's taking time, but we're getting there. So you can find me doing that on Instagram and then on Twitter. I'm always talking Star Wars and sports and fitness. And you can find me there as well at Real Ben Maynard. Yep. And you can look for my review of Jedi Battle Scars and Battle for uh, the Arena. Those books, uh, their reviews will be out in the next week or so. So stay tuned to YouTube.com slash Star Raptor for that. But for Milton, who couldn't be here tonight, for our special guest, Becca, for Ben, for me, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, that's going to do it for Outer Room Transmission number 99. Next week is the big week, 100, breaking the triple digits there. That's going to do it for us here on the channel. Thanks for watching. May the Force be with you in transmission.